Elkin with you here today. And Elkin, we're going to be talking about our awards picks. Richard gave us the, the script for him, but we're going to be running through the picks and kind of starting the dialogue. But first, I want to talk about the NBA in-season tournament. I don't know how they're calling like the first slate of games, but we had our first taste of what that looks like. Any thoughts on the um, the initiation of the in-season tournament? I think the only thing I'm going to say is, officially and technically, the Pacers had the first win of the NBA in-season tournament history with their win against the Cavaliers. But it was very hard to watch that game because those courts, I think the only court that is makes it watchable is the Milwaukee Bucks because they actually kept their court a regular hardwood court and just put a stripe there but the Pacers went very blue I think the the Bulls were very red some other teams were blue I think the Thunder were blue as well because I know the Warriors put against the Thunder and Steph Curry hit that layup at the end and there was controversy ensued did Draymond Green do offensive basket interference or not yada 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 but overall Ethan they have to get better designers for these courts like, I know we've hated on CD jerseys from Nike, but then, like, I feel like the courts are an extension of those jerseys, and it makes it even worse. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of pulling up all these courts, and, like, I don't have a very good picture where I can look at them all quickly. But there looks like very few options that aren't just, like, I think we said in the pre-pod, like, just 2K design courts. Like, I mean, they call it, the key, like the painted area for a reason. It's the paint, that's the painted area. And I guess I don't, I guess I understand the concept to like kind of move away from that and like do something different and like show everyone very clearly this is a different type of game. But I think so, like insignia on the court is plenty work. So right now I have all of them pulled up and I'm, I'm trying to just kind of piece through them. You're right. The Bucks has the by far the most like just natural looking hardwood. Looks like Cleveland's home court will actually might that one might be a little bit of a vibe. It says the land at the center court and it's all like brown. So I'm not sure if it's like they're like tan and brown colored court or if it actually is just hardwood, which would be fine. But everything else, like it's just comically red, purple, blue, gray, green. Like no, not a lot of like basketball court. This is looking like, you know, your college rec center where they don't put the hardwood in and they put, you know, the, the, I can't even remember what kind of finish it is, but like, I remember at WKU, there was four spots of like hardwood court. And then there was the other court and no one played over there. If you're playing basketball, cause it was not as nice, not as fun. And also hurt your eyes having this blue court under your, under your feet. I just don't like it. I hate it. I think it's just too much going on. Um, I appreciate the in season tournament for try like a new way to maybe inspire people to like show up play. I think it's cool that, you know, like the Blazers for example, they won against the Grizzlies and the Blazers might not have much to play for. Ironically, the Grizzlies might not either. But both those teams making like getting either of those teams getting a win is could be huge. Like the Blazers have enough like one guy type of go off for 50 points potential that they could win any game. And who knows? Blazers might win the in-season tournament, but they ain't—they're not winning anything else. So I, I still love the concept. I think it's a great, a great thing that they're doing to like promote caring about the regular season a little bit more and promote um, 
stars to play. But man, these courts were bungled. Just bungled. What do you think? Tyrese Halliburton came out and said this. That the team who wins should get an automatic playoff berth. What do you think about that? I don't I don't hate that concept, except then I feel like like what what are you gonna do when like a team like the Lakers or Warriors wins the tournament and then okay, great. We're all old. No one's playing. We're playing Stephen Curry once a week to keep him fresh and he's not touching like he's not going on the court anymore. Then you really devalued the regular season and I don't know if you can recover from that. Because all those teams, like the Clippers, Warriors, like, I mean, they might be like, oh, you know, season-long awards, we don't care. We we made our playoffs. We, we're in the arena. We Eight seed, one seed, doesn't matter. Like, I, that's what would be my worry is you'd have a bunch of teams gear up for the in-season tournament, and then they would be not tanking. But, I mean, why wouldn't you, though? If, you, if you're a great team, like let's say even the Nuggets, they win the in-season tournament. And they're like, well, we could use like some young players in the draft. Let's just finish dead last in the West, or as low as low down, get the like highest playoff making team pick, and that way we can get like at the twentieth pick in the draft and have a, a little bit better chance of having a contributor come to our team. Like, I, I think that has some negative negative effects. Um, as if, if 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 people are okay on punting on pride, and a lot of people based on like some of the tanking and rest days people have taken in the past i think i think the 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 ends the people will do for competitive advantage have no ends no and honestly that's what a lot of people were saying they're like imagine a team who ends up only winning 20 games in the regular season makes the playoffs because their coaches and management figured out oh now we're good we're playing to win these games to make it to the playoffs but now we already have a secured spot I don't think so. I was like, ah, that makes sense. But we'll see. It's the first year of it, so we'll see how it goes. But as Ethan said, today we're not going to take too much time with the in-season tournament. Today we're going to talk about awards. We're going to cover the main individual awards and, of course, All-NBA, which, a reminder, it is positionless now. It is positionless, so we could have a full first team of, of three centers, maybe even five centers if we wanted to. I don't think there's five centers to be worthy of it, but we can do that. And like Ethan mentioned, Richard sent uh, already submitted his pick, so we know where he's going to go with. So let's go ahead and just start revealing these awards, because I believe the first award we have is the Clutch Player, which I'm still confused how that is measured, by the way, Ethan. I don't know what statistic we're using, what the NBA well, uses. I don't know exactly what defines a Clutch Player, but or for the for statistics. But last year, De'Aaron Fox scored a lot of fourth quarter points, and he had a really high field goal percentage in the fourth quarter, and the Sacramento Kings were a team that won a lot of games. So the only precedent we can go off is, like, kind of that that vibe. Um, so I would say that lends credibility to teams who are likely to play in close games but have good players to help finish. Um, I'm going to read off the picks here. I chose Damian Lillard. Richard chose Luka Doncic, and Elkin, you cho- chose Shea, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, yeah, um, three notoriously clutch players from what I understand. I think those are all very fair, reasonable picks. Give me a little bit more feedback on uh, why Shea was uh, was your guy. I think I mainly went with Shea because of his history that I've seen, was especially last season with OKC. They had a few 
there were a few close games that Shea was just able to take over. And I think for me, once Shea has that kind of like that mid-range around the free throw line, around the nail, once he has that going, stepping out maybe a few feet past that, he's almost automatic. And a lot of times, too, when it comes down to – I think of a guy also, too, who's going to have the ball a lot in clutch situations. Most, when it comes down to clutch minutes for the Thunder, he's a guy who pretty much is going to have the ball in his hands almost every single time. And that's why I kind of went that in. And I mean, I almost see it like for me, like it makes sense, like Richard Peek and Luca, because if you're the Mavericks, Luca's a guy who's going to get the ball. Luca's been shown to make some big shots, and he's a guy who's going to get the ball. And then you pick the guy who has a history. We know he has a track record of making big shots. I I haven't got to watch as much basketball as I want to. Like I'm I'm watching, and I'm I'm definitely getting a lot of little pieces of games and watching lots of highlights. But I was watching the Bucks game the other day. I'm blanking on who they were playing against, but they were up, I think, one or two. And what did they what did they do? They ran a a a, a play with Giannis and Dame. But guess who was shooting? Dame. Dame takes a, a three that he got wide open because you can't just leave Giannis to roll like with without a body. And so Dame just comes behind him, shoots, makes it, and it's like that that can happen every time. So if the Bucks are tight in games, I know it's going to be Damian Lillard. Um, Rich is not here to talk about his pick that much, and obviously Luka is a great clutch player. I do wonder just every once in a while, like, if it's going to be the Kyrie moment, and that's why I would maybe not lean so much on Luka for this pick, but then again, Luka's a lot better than Kyrie, so it should be Luka, and maybe if Kyrie fails in a couple moments, but Luka succeeds in a lot, that even the disparity um, visually kind of even is more clear. I think we can move on here to the uh, coach of the year. Let's do our grand reveal. Dun, 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 dun. And it's looking like we have myself choosing Mark Dagnall of OKC. Elkin, you chose Mike Malone of the Denver Nuggets. And Richard chose Frank Vogel of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, interesting. Now, here's my thing. So I went with Mike Malone. I almost felt like it was an easy pick because he could have the best record. But I reminded myself after putting that and starting the pot, I reminded oftentimes coach of the year is often given to the coach who almost does like the biggest turnaround and, and not just record, but like uh, culture set, culture, uh, team culture and everything like that. So I was like, ah, I really got to think about that. I almost thought about I was well, I almost went with Rick Carlisle because I'm like, man, if this Pacers team could pick up some steam. I think he would be a very good candidate, and that team could get to like a six or seven seed. I think people would really start looking that way. That's almost picked, but I, I think I went. I think I went very safe with Mike Malone. Like he's a guy that he's gonna get most likely the way his team is playing. I feel like they're picking right up from the finals. Team chemistry is there. Good draft pick coming in. They were to replace those those Bruce Brown minutes with positive, um, positive plays from players coming in for that. So I'm just and Nikola Jokic. Still being uh, MVP performance level. So I'm just like, okay, that's the one thing I can kind of see myself taking an easy out. Well, it wasn't that long ago that Monty Williams kind of won coach of the year a year after, right? If I'm not mistaken, or am I just imagining things? But like Monty Williams won coach of the year last year after they kind of had their like run in 2021. Like he won it. He was right there in 2021, then he actually won it in 22. Like, that kind of is a good example of of a guy getting it. Like, he got fired. Monty Williams got fired last year and won Coach of the Year. You know, like, think about that. That's a, that's an odd – or two years ago, my bad. Yeah, it's just weird, right? Like, We've seen it happen with Dwayne Casey, too, yeah. 
Like, I, I kind of like that pick for Mike Malone. Like, if no one really shows their case and the Nuggets are close to the one, if they're the one seed again, he just won a championship, they're the one seed again, Mike Malone makes a lot of sense. I went in with Dagnall because, like, I think, other than Shea, like, the obviously OKC's got a lot of talent and a lot of, like, young players. But I think, like, you know, to harness that into a winning scenario um, is prove it could be pretty challenging. I think he's been doing a great job. Um, Richard's not here to defend it, but I think Frank Vogel is a terrible pick. Um, and here's oh, no. why. Oh, I don't think the Suns are good. I don't think the Suns are going to be good. I know Bradley Beal hasn't played at all yet, and that they obviously have two or three of the better players in the NBA. And I know that, you know, them, you know, like having a losing record right now, like, like doesn't mean they're going to have a losing record. But I think this team's defense is so bad. That nobody can get, no one can get credit for this team other than Mr. Booker. Like honestly, he's the only guy. I, Kevin Durant, I'm not gonna lie. I know Kevin Durant's incredible. I know he's a great player. He's an all-time great. He is not impressed. Like, his stats are gonna look good. That yeah. man has not impressed me this season so far. Like I'm actually, I've been watching games and been like, what happened to this guy? Did he, like I know he's like he's got 30 points and he looks like he's playing terrible. Like what, what what's happening? So, I hate that pick for, for you, Richard, but, hey, you know, maybe you can defend yourself next time you're up. Sixth man of the year, Elkin. Let's see what we got here. There's hey. some greens on the pod. Hey, oh, that's what I love to see. We got we got two Chris Pauls from Elkin and Richard, and I went with uh, Mr. Bobby Portis. Now, I... I didn't know who to pick. I really had a tough time with this one. Uh, me um, too. Chris Paul makes a lot of sense. Uh, I Bobby Porter's I think got second or third last year, and he's going to be on a good team again. And he does have some moments where he kind of runs runs like it's a lot of the offense ran through him, and he has some good points. He gets re- a lot of rebounds. Um, I just think stats might favor Bobby Porter's compared to a lot of other options, especially some of these teams that have. More of the six-man guys, but they might start because the teams aren't very good. There's going to be a lot of lineup changing. Right. I think Bobby Portis has a, a really good chance of making this happen. But I also like Chris Paul's pick because Chris Paul is you know, a future Hall of Famer. If he's in the running, a lot of voters, I think, will be like, oh, this will look nice on his resume. Let's give it to him. You know, It's interesting. First time ever not starting for Mr. Paul, and he could take the award. But I, I think it works, though. Like, I think you kind of saw where he's – the Warriors don't need him to score a lot of points, but if he can take that second unit and just kind of like man it, create opportunities, that's all they need from him. And you kind of saw that where I think he had like one or two points the other day. It was what might have been against the Thunder, where it was just he didn't have a big point, but he had like 13 assists, which is like, that's fine. The Warriors, are, I think the Warriors, and even he said he's okay with that. Chris Paul is... It's just it's just gonna it's just so weird to like kind of like look at him expecting him to be Chris Paul when we we I mean just he's so he's getting old he's getting he's the league's getting bigger as well like there's all kinds of things happening and he just can't quite get like the burst and the buy to score all the time so yeah he's but he's handling the game really well like, like looks like yeah he had one point against OKC. And 13 assists. He had two points against um, Sacramento and eight assists. And then he's got some other games where he scored a little bit more. And also, but he he's just going to get a lot of assists. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see, like if if they can just really like stagger where he doesn't play with Stephen Curry very much. That way, 
they can just go full CP ball. And that might be like the ticket for the Warriors making another run this year. Because if they can manage to make some of these younger guys who don't have all the feels for like that true free-flowing Warriors ball, like a Kaminga, for example, you just pair him up with Chris Paul. He might he might start dunking the ball six times a game. Like those are things that could happen. <laughs> oh man, uh, that's fair. That's fair. All right, you ready to do uh, most improved? Yes, most improved. It's a piston centric ah. pick zone. Good. It was. Uh, me. By the way, I'll tell you this. And so Ethan and Richard both have Cade Cunningham, and I have Jalen Duran. I my first original pick was Cade before I changed it. But I was like, I can see them being swayed by Jalen, which I'm not mad with the Cade pick. The Cade pick is definitely a solid pick. And if he can stay healthy, oh, man, he's up. I think with Jalen Duran just kind of seeing the jump he's making from his rookie year till now, like, I'm just like, man, these Pistons, they got a nice young core. And he's so good in the pick and roll. And I love the two-man game that he has. But sometimes it's very frustrating that the Pistons still play Killing Hayes so many minutes. And I'm like, Monty Williams, what are you doing? But. I like it for both of us. I have no qualms, and I'm sure Richard would not have qualms either. I think Richard might be smiling when he listens to it, He's going to be smiling, or when he sees it, he's going to be smiling seeing that we pick Pistons all the way. Yeah. So, like, I think the only thing hurting Cade, even though, like, I love the pick, obviously, is, like, technically speaking, he's, he's going to have a hard time getting, like, all that much better, like, just counting stats because um, for his career – He's currently averaging 18.2 points per game. I think it was a little lower to start because he's obviously added, you know, 22.7 to his ledger so far this year. But I think what he's going to need to do to like actually win this award is they're going to need to get Killian Hayes out of the lineup so his efficiency can climb a little bit because he's forced to taking like just look at screenshots of all the defensive attention he's getting with no help, like no bailouts. And obviously the Pistons, you know, they're not they're not killing the game like they're not going to win all that much this year. But they're they're competitive in most games and they have they have some fun players. So even if you if you watch if you're just box score watching the Pistons, um, you're not going to you're not going to see like the entertainment value there. But I think between Cade, Jalen Duran, honestly, Isaiah Stewart, and some of his dogged defensive tendencies, like I think this team's worth a watch and worth a, a peek. And that's coming from the non-Pistons fan, so you can really trust it. So yeah, uh, Richard, I think we'll be very happy about our uh, our Pistons love. All right, and obviously, uh, next award is Rookie of the Year, and I don't think there's going to be much uh, haggling or discussing. We're and all of us picked Victor Wembanyama. It is probably the most obvious Rookie of the Year pick we've had in a long time. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I I was in a I was in a chat where we were kind of like saying, okay, well, where's the value at? Because like, you you can't win any money betting on Victor Wembanyama, you know, in terms of, like return on investment. And it's like, could you just you know bet it, bet against his health, which I I don't feel comfortable doing. Like that's not something that sounds fun to me. But the only other person I think that could make a real run at this is Chet Holmgren. Um, I think he's very good, very talented, and. This could be one of those, I don't think these guys are quite on the same level, but, you know, there was a moment in time where Carmelo Anthony played just as good as LeBron James, but didn't win Rookie of the Year, even though his team made the playoffs and LeBron's didn't. I could see it being a similar scenario. We could look at the stats by the end of the season and see that Chet is very similarly performing to Victor, but I don't think, 
I don't think it will happen because there is a certain amount of just spectacular that's coming with Wimbenyama's game that I just I don't know if anyone can overcome. And I don't think, I think Rookie of the Year is one of the few awards that is not based on the 65-game minimum. So if you make the impact, you are set. You are fine. Joel Embiid years ago probably would win Rookie of the Year over Malcolm Brogdon. Now that the precedent's kind of changing. All right. Let's go Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, here we go. We deviated. Uh, Richard has Anthony Davis. I have Drew Holiday. And Ethan, of course, Bam Adebayo. Now, now, now with Drew Holiday, I, I did kind of think about it a little bit. I think it depends on how the Celtics use The Celtics don't need to use him as much on offense. I think I can see him spending most of his energy on the defensive end. And also, one thing, too, part of me is like, huh, what is the defensive impact? I was like, well, just look at where the Bucks defense went after he left. Yes, the Bucks got a player like Dame Lillard, but losing a player like Drew Holiday does affect him a little bit. Now, Anthony Davis, I'll tell you this. Anthony Davis, amazing defensive player. Like, I've been reading some discourse about him. People are like, is it really that good? Because they're like, he always gets cooked by Nikola Jokic. And I'm like, who doesn't get cooked by Nikola Jokic, you guys? Let's be real. But they're like, well, look what he does. He's just able to back him up. I was like, that's just him. But if we look at his impact on the other games, I'm like, he's very solid. And, Ethan, I'm going to let you take it away on Miami's own Bam Adebayo, which I, I think he is going to win a uh, Defensive Player of the Year at one point of his career. That's where I'm at with him. Bam is just so good. Like, he, I, I, think, I think in similar ways, Anthony Davis and Bam don't always get their full credit because Sometimes their team's defenses aren't as good, but it's because they are doing so much that, you know, people, the Heat play people like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, historically Max Struess. Um, Kevin Love plays for the Heat. Like, the Heat have a lot of bad defensive players and are not a horrible defensive team historically. I just think he deserves credit. I think he deserves love, and I want, I want to be the one to give it to him. I I think the Heat are going to work things out. They're not going to be a, a regular season juggernaut, and they're not going to probably be a postseason juggernaut. You know, always knock on wood and, and, you know, whatever rituals you have to do to keep playoff Jimmy away from your team. But, yeah, like, Bam is the only reason the team, the Heat can stop anyone because Jimmy doesn't do it in the regular season all that often. And, I mean, I think it's Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, and Draymond Green are the three best defensive players in basketball. And... I trust Bam to play the most minutes and be the most impactful on a night-to-night basis. So that's who I'm going to go with. I, I can accept that, especially with, I mean, what he's going to have to do for that team holding down the middle. So that's fair. That's fair for Bam. Now let's get to MVP. I'd be curious to see who do we got. Oh, <laughs> surprisingly, not surprisingly enough, we all picked Nikola Jokic. I call this the untraditional three-peat should be a four-peat really but to me just already looking at the season that he's having he's on the mvp tear his team is doing good like there has to be someone who would just like blow me away like you know one guy if you were to pick up if he were to keep this pace there's only other one guy that i thought about steph curry if steph curry were to keep up his pace he'll make the conversation interesting but overall looking at it, what Jokic is doing which you know what discourse I hate? Maybe this is me just yelling at the sky, Ethan. That people are like, oh, look at all these NBA players. They're, they do their training regiments, but Jokic doesn't, just goes home, parties, and he's much better. 
I believe like Jokic is a guy who trains but just doesn't post it. He's just like, I'm going to post that I'm living my life, enjoying it. But he's a guy who can do a lot of training stuff without posting. And I know a guy that good practices his game every summer. Like you don't just get that good by not practicing, especially the shots that he makes in the paint and three more shots like that takes practice to get that good where, you know, you're like, I'm probably have more than 50% chance of making this shot in the paint over you. It's not going to matter, but it's just to me. And I think right now we're looking at the best center in the league and we're looking at, to me, he's the best passing center I've ever seen. The only center that I've seen that for me, going to take it back a little bit, that his passing was very, very amazing was one Bill Walton was passing with Bill Walton. That, that's one guy I always think of. And like an Arvita Sabonis going back there. But currently, I think he's already, for me, one of the top players of all time, just what he's doing. And I would not be surprised if the Nuggets get back to the NBA Finals. If everyone stays healthy for the Nuggets, this is a team that, in my mind, I have little doubt they're going to get back there. Yeah, I just want to make a quick point with why Denver has to be considered, or Jokic has to be just considered the best player in basketball and it'd be silly to not think anything else the nuggets right now with Nikola Jokic lead, like leading the team are top 10 in offense they're like i think i'm, I'm dyslexic so i'm having a little i think they're eighth right now maybe seventh if i'm counting correctly but they're six, eighth in offense and in defense they are sixth or seventh i can't again i just have their, a hard time counting no, their defense has been amazing this season that's one thing People are like, oh, Jokic can't play defense. But I'm like, you have to watch game film. Like, you have to eventually see what they're doing as a team. And and as a center, you don't get the day off. Like, you can be a bad defensive guard. And if your team's offense is good enough, you can get the day off. Because they don't have, like, they're just trying to get anything. They're not, like, milking the possession and coming to attack you. Like the Warriors right now are a top, are right around there for good defense. Their offense is also good. So like that's where we kind of get the Curry talk. The Mavericks' offense is incredible. Their defense, however, I'm not exactly sure. They look Mavericks, Mavericks, Mavericks. Looking for them. I don't know why I can't find them, but they're not not top ten. Anyway. Oh, no, they're, they're bottom 10. Mavericks are bottom 10. So, like, I think the three teams that you can consider, the three players you can consider for MVP are Nikola Jokic, favorite, probably will win if, if everything goes as, as we think. Stephen Curry, because he's that guy, and he, like, controls the game so much, but just with the fear. And Luka Doncic. Thirdly, fourthly, Giannis Antetokounmpo, but he's got this guy named Damian Lillard on his team, so that, that takes a lot of pressure off and probably a lot of credit away but other than that like i don't know where else to come like the suns like i think they stink um so they don't have an mvp but like devin booker's got two other you know all-stars on our team jason tatum has a, a roster of all-stars in the starting lineup basically um who else like joel Embiid? are we like if, i guess if he drags the sixers to a one seat without any hardened help i guess that could be something if you look at some stats and efficiencies are there but like lebron's not doing it anthony davis isn't doing it. very uh very dark 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 horse would be indiana's own tyrese halliburton if he can just ramp it up and get them wins for me he's my very dark dark horse and it, that is honestly obviously it is the homer in me but sometimes i'm just like man if he has it going like the way he does not just making shots but creating 
the team's gonna be great. But I just I look at it, Ethan, because pe- for me, I always think of defensively. How many times have we seen teams trying to get Nikola Jokic switched out in the perimeter, and how many times do we see that the Nuggets adjust to that switch and they know it's coming? Jokic knows it's coming, and Jokic and the Nuggets figure out a way. Hey, we're gonna put a stop to this. I think they know it. And I think the one thing you can't take away, because yes, basketball is about athleticism, but just like in many professional sports, one way to negate athleticism is if you know where to be and anticipate. If you can anticipate where the action is going to be at, that's going to help you a lot. And I think that's what Denver is good at. They're able to anticipate action and move the players, and players are able to rotate to the correct spaces. I think that helps out so much. Yeah. No, I mean, I... I, the reason I brought the defense up, which is like, hey, if you can't even pick on this man's defense, like, what are you going to pick on? Like, that's it. It's over. Um, just kind of looking at the stats, you know, like Tyrese Halliburton might not be a terrible pick for most improved as well. Like if you go from all all star to theoretically all NBA, that's still a big jump. That's great stuff. And if you're saying Dark Horse MVP, I'm leaning that you might have him on an all NBA team. And with that being said, let's move on to all NBA. So we're going to just go team by team. Actually, I, okay, I think we should just dump them all, and then we'll kind of go we'll go through them team by team, but we'll be able to see some players and see where they, the dispersion is. Okay, so we're looking at first team. Um, let's, let's go with all the players that we all have. We all have Nikola Jokic, we all have Giannis, and we all have Luka Doncic. Those, those three guys are hearable pod unanimous first teamers. Um, I'll finish out my team. I had Devin Booker and Stephen Curry for first team. You had Stephen Curry and Jason Tatum. And Richard had Jason Tatum and Damian Lillard. Trying to see. I think everyone else had Devin Booker's second team. And I had Jason Tatum's second team. Um, Damian Lillard, for me, I had third team. So let's talk about this a little bit. Obviously, Giannis, Jokic, Doncic. No surprise all of those guys made first team because those are like the three of the four that we said are MVP candidates. So I guess I guess the only question is for Richard, why is Stephen Curry below Damian Lillard on this list? I'll be interested. I find that very interesting. Yeah, for me I can't I can't do that. I I don't know why. I just right now and I look at it as like the adjustment period that Lillard's gonna have, and I think it's gonna be very hard too. Like, some teams might look at it and be like, Giannis is really what makes this team go, so he's more of our first-team first All-NBA guy. While Lillard is going to be, like, your second team. I don't know if that makes sense. But that's that's where I'm at. That That's my thought process, too, is, like, Damian Lillard, I think, is an All-NBA guard. I put him on the team. He's, he's my third team, for what it's worth. I actually don't see him on your list at all. I actually, uh... I actually definitely there's there's only one guy I had put Zion Williamson, but really I was I was I think I had intended to put someone else and it was just like a placeholder while I put the rest of the team. I mean I even have like an Anthony on my third team. You know what? Let's let's before I get to third team, I think we should get we should just go over our second teams as well before we get down there to third team. Yeah, sounds good to me. Um, second team on everyone's everyone's team well actually he's 13 for me but Joel Embiid's on it's just so hard to talk about because you're just saying names you're just saying names I'm gonna run through my second team 
Um, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson, Paul George. Elkins' second team is Joel Embiid, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Tyrese Halberton, Devin Booker. And Richard's second team is Joel Embiid, Curry, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. I think, so obviously we got to look at it as, like, me and Richard both have Joel Embiid on our second team, where you're like, ah, he's more of a third-team guy this year. Whereas, like, for me... I liked having Kevin Durant and LeBron James, and so did Richard. I think I think those are two players because I kind of I kind of figured you wouldn't have Kevin Durant high up here because I remember you were kind of talking about watching his game this year, and you're like, ah, I'm not as impressed with his game. And I think you officially might have you've officially don't have LeBron James on your second team, whereas like me and Richard went that way. And I think with Tyrese Halliburton. I think if he keeps up this level of play, he's going to be in the conversation. But I think at least he's going to get third team. Like, he's not going to crack first team at all. But he's a guy who, from what I see of his development, if he stays consistent and obviously plays enough games that he needs to, he's going to get up there for All-NBA this year. And that's something I definitely see for him. I am interested. You have, hopefully get to see a healthy Zion Williamson up second team and, like, after going through injuries the last couple of seasons. Is it just what base – is this like you're like, hey, I'm kind of seeing some things already that I like from him, and I think this is going to translate well for an entire season? Well, so for what it's worth, I made all these picks based on based on not watching games. Like I just – this is my picks as if the season started tomorrow um, or like it was last week when we did the picks. And so like I was – I'm just under the impression that even with LeBron James caring a lot about legacy and all those things, I think there will be a point in time – I 65 games, not even talking injuries. I just think 65 games might sound like a lot to LeBron James. Just wear and tear, season mature. Like I I just kind of factored that in for some of these older guys. Um, I had put Kevin Durant on the list because I had, hadn't seen him play some of the weird basketball that I've seen this year. And didn't think that I would feel this way. So, like, again, maybe there, there's some picks that I would change. Like, maybe I'd take Kevin Durant completely off the list because I've just been so disappointed in what I've seen, even though statistically he still looks great. But back to Zion Williamson, like, yeah, I just – I mean, the the reports for preseason stuff that he's in better shape and that he had a better attitude. Like, I feel like uh, – and, like, I mean, the results are what they are. The, the Pelicans are 4-2. and two. Good start so far. I just thought that he's the reason that team's good. I'm I'm gonna ride with him, ride him this year. Like I'm just gonna hope and pray and like all this time off has been good for him. And if he's in better shape, that that's proof in the pudding for me, and that's enough for me to say yes. I'm I'm putting some some faith in him. Do you think with this new standard, what games required? Do you think now we have to take into account which guys are we gonna think we're gonna reach that standard? I mean, you kind of brought it up with LeBron James, like. You think there's going to be some guys who are just going to make it because we lost so many guys because of that 65 game um, threshold they need to cross that some guys are just going to be pushed up into that upper 15 for all NBA? I do think there'll be some squirrely picks here and there. Like I, I personally don't have, like I don't have Kawhi Leonard on this list because I don't think he will play 65 games. I just don't think he can do that. Like I, and I mean, He's been very good to start this year. Him and Paul George are looking fantastic. And maybe I have too much faith 
Maybe I have too much faith in Paul George because he hasn't played that many games all, all that all that I often. Think, but I think I think it's because we've seen Paul George on the court more for this Clippers team than Kawhi Leonard. I think that's one thing we've noticed that we see Paul George more, and we're like, if Paul George just plays this consistent brand of basketball on both ends, he's the guy who's locked in to be at least All NBA third team because of his talent. So that I completely understand. But you're right, like a Kevin Durant. Like we see, he's taking a heavy load right now. It could be once Booker and Beal comes back. The Suns are like, oh, Kevin Durant now needs to, in the second half of the season, take it easy. We could see that. And with LeBron, we're going to see how things go with a player like LeBron. Like, I'll be interested to see, like, one reason, like, I have Anthony Edwards. I believe Anthony Edwards can keep improving and take the next step. Like, he's the guy who I can see taking a, being there in a lot of games, showing up to a lot of games. And to me, he's the best player on the Timberwolves right now. And if he can lead them to a decent record, he's going to crack that All-NBA team. Yeah, I think it's just. Tr- oh, the thing I just want to say, we'll 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 name all the third team here. Saying I think what's tricky is like, this is not reflective of who the necessarily the best fifteen players in the league are. I don't think Jimmy Butler will make an All NBA team, but you best believe if they did a draft of all the playoff teams, you know who'd be in the top fifteen getting picked for the playoffs? Jimmy Butler. And and Jimmy Butler, I just don't know if statistically he'll do enough. I mean, or if he's engaged enough, or if he'll play enough to make an All-NBA team. Even though I know Jimmy Butler is a top 15 player in the NBA. I know that. That is a fact. Like, I love Bam. Bam might not be a top 15 player. But I wish he was. Like, I, I would love to put him there. But I, like, Bam didn't make my All-NBA team. Like, the, the NBA is really good right now. And there's a lot of really good players. And there's a lot of guys who put up a lot of stats. And I just don't think, right now, Heat half players that do the statistical things that get you on all NBA rosters. Yeah. And that's, that's fair enough. And let's go on to our third team. So like for third team, Ethan has Tyrese Halliburton, Dame Lillard, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Joel Embiid, and Jamal Murray. I have Zion Williamson, Anthony Edwards, Anthony Davis, Paul George, Jamal Murray, and Richard has Anthony Davis, Jamal Murray, DeMontis Sabonis, Bam Adebayo, and Donovan Mitchell. Now, I would say the one guy all three of us do have is Jamal Murray. And I think with Jamal Murray, a lot of times this issue, the talent is there. I think it's consistency with him. That's why sometimes you're like, oh, his stats may not jump out sometimes, like his total season stats. But I think with him, a lot of it comes down consistency. Because when he's on, he's one of the top players. We saw it constantly in the playoffs. Especially, I remember that Lakers series. He was torching the Lakers' perimeter defense. The Lakers did not have an answer for him, which, I mean, the Nuggets were just hitting everything in that series, too. But when he's on, for me, he's definitely an all-star level. And it's crazy he hasn't made an all-star team yet, either. But I think if he were to be consistent enough, he's definitely going to crack it. And I have, like, Anthony Davis. I think another guy who we talk about health, he's another guy. Because he's a guy, you see him fall down and instantly you get worried. Like, there's some players, we watch a game and you see him fall down, they're like, oh, they're going to get back up. Like, you might watch, like, a Jokic fall down and you're like, oh, he's going to get back up. You might watch, uh, compared to, like, a Kawhi Leonard or Anthony Davis, you're like, oh, are these guys getting back up? And that's, like, the concern that we have with these guys. How how much you can play. Like, when Anthony Davis is on and playing on the court, he's pretty much 20 and 10 almost every night and provides you with about two to three blocks as well. That's why I'm like, he's definitely going to... He's definitely going to be up there. Now, interesting, you have De'Aaron Fox. Richard has Sabonis. I think it's kind of, for me, it goes on, like, who's going to drive that Keens team? What is that focal point of the Keens team? And I, I kind of want to hear your reasoning why putting why putting De'Aaron Fox instead of Sabonis for your end. 
Um, because I think Darren Fox is a better player. I think Darren Fox is a like more complete basketball player. I think based on the way the po- like, and I think some of these things. The thing I want to piggyback on your Jamal Murray stuff is like Jamal Murray has made an All Star team, has made an All NBA team, but we've all thought he's like right around the corner. Um, he finally has the playoff receipt to where like if it comes down to a tiebreaker between let's say a Jamal Murray and a Donovan Mitchell, I think Jamal Murray gets the nod because the man just won an NBA championship. Like. Historically, I think it's went to Donovan Mitchell because he had had just as much playoff success, if not bigger moments, than Murray. Now that's flipped. I think Jamal Murray starts getting a little bit more of the uh, the nod. Now the reason I went with uh, Fox over Sabonis, um, I I mean it's one of those things like I I don't think Fox or Sabonis are top fifteen players, but I think their team is going to be so good and so consistent that someone's going to get the recognition. And I guess I'm riding a little bit of that clutch player momentum from last year that De'Aaron Fox took control when the games had to be won and delivered a lot. You know what I actually messed up? And I want to just I, – I can't believe we did this. Um, I'm taking Fox off right now and putting Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Like, I know I'm defending why I picked Fox over Sabonis. Oh, but man. But no, absolutely not. Um, Shea's going on my team, not De'Aaron Fox. I don't know how I didn't put him on this list. I don't know I, if I, think I got th- lost somewhere between the um, uh, this is Steph all of Curry. Us. Yeah, this is a terrible pick. We're all shameful. We're sh- Shea was, Alexander is the he was first All NBA last year. I actually was thinking of yeah. like, should I put him all first again? He should at least be for me. He should at least be second. I I think he just got lost somewhere in my brain because there's no way like my if I had to rank. Guards, like, I'm not talking about, like, build a team around, because I think Shea might be number one there if you just had to pick a guard to build a team around, because um, Steph's getting old and Dame's getting old. But I, I would have sh- him as the third best guard in the league. I would have Dame and, and Steph, like, for one game, for one season, I might take those guys. But how did I not have him on the list? So I'll, I'll finish my thought about Fox. Fox, I think, is the better player. I think he's the reason the the Kings win games. I think Sabonis is the reason they're always in the game. Um, that being said, take Fox off my list immediately and replace him with Shea Gilgis Alexander. This is ridiculous. This is absurd. I can't I can't live with myself if I don't fix this right now. Do it. That, that has shameful. to change. And shame on you two as well. Oh, shame on all of us. <laughs> all three of us. Richard didn't have Goodness him either. Goodness me. We're, oh, man. Shay. Hopefully... I guess Devin Booker should get some, some love in the start of the team with a guard. I was thinking a little bit more of the point guardy mold, yeah. but, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> bad picks. Bad picks, gentlemen. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think those are, those are our picks besides our big blunder of Shay Gilgis. Those are our season awards and all-NBA teams. I think the only one we didn't cover is executive of the year. I don't know if I don't know if there's anyone that you saw make moves that you're like going to bring up, or we call it the anti Rob Palenka award. I mean, I think it's just some someone's gonna give it. The, the, it's that, that's like a, uh, only the executives vote on it, and it's like, do the Suns get it, or is everyone mad the Suns for getting it? Because um, you know, just they got a lot of good minimums and they got Bradley Beal, or is it the Milwaukee guy because they got um. Damian Lillard or is it or is it the Blazers guy for if DeAndre Ayton looks incredible somehow like 
I I would just probably say the Bucks guy because you get Damian Lillard on your team and all like they they're you know probably likely to like good odds to go to the finals like that's who I would say is likely to win this award. Yeah, that's fair. More importantly, though, Shaggy Alexander, I'm so sorry. You deserve better. I love you. You're one of my favorite players. I, I really do like your Anthony Edwards pick. I hope I hope he plays well enough to make this list. And I really love Richard's Bam Adebayo pick. I hope he plays well enough to make this list. And now, would it be crazy for if somehow, maybe they play in the games, Victor Webanyama to crack 13? Would that be crazy? I don't think it's absurd, but I'm watching the games he's playing, and while yeah, he obviously is very good and impactful, like he he still seems a little too much of an oddity, not not a hundred percent substance yet. But the Spurs are playing good basketball, and it's very apparent that when he's on the court, they're a better team. So I don't think it's crazy. I think it just might be early. No, that's fair. That's fair. But I'll tell you who loves the narrative, the NBA. And oh, Victor Wembanyama being third team is quite the narrative. Anyway, Man. I think that wraps it up for us today, Elkin. Yes, sir. Lovely, lovely chatting with you. And let's go watch football for now and basketball soon. <laughs> <laughs>